Oh. Hmm. Oh, hey, Z. Oh, what's wrong? You look sad. I'm just thinking about all those cups of coffees going cold that housewives make before detectives leave abruptly after talking to their husband. I have never thought of that before. I'll have to write a stern letter to Laura Nordicree at a dick wolf. But in the meantime, I guess you'll be... Acceptable company. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, no, you go. You, I, I like that. <laughs> Thanks you once again for being here with us. What's going on, Matt? Uh, well, pro- probably a month ago. I um, As you know, my girlfriend lives on the Central Coast. And so every weekend I'll drive up to see her or she'll drive down to see me. Quite common. We're used to the drive by now. It's about an hour and a half. Um, this particular night, I was heading home and I, I grabbed my shoes from outside, put them on. I'm driving. Within the first 10 minutes or so, I could feel what I think is something moving around in my shoe. Mm. So I've pulled over, kind of shaking my shoe out and had a look. And I saw a bit of spiderweb down near my toe. So I'm like, okay, there was something in my foot. But, you know, I feel fine. Didn't feel anything. So I keep on going. Going 110 kilometers down the highway. And my foot is starting to feel uncomfortable. Every few minutes, it's getting more and more painful. It's getting to the point where I've gone, I don't think I've gotten rid of the thing in my shoe. I believe there's something still existing in there that shouldn't be. Um, and is it is making a meal of my toe. We're about 50 minutes into the trip at this point, and I've gotten off the highway, pulled into the first servo, and had a good look. And my stomach dropped when I saw a redback, the famous Australian redback down mm. near, near where my toe would be. It's like one of the worst possible ones to be there. Yeah, it, it's definitely, I couldn't describe, like I saw this, I saw the web and I, I the toe of the shoe kind of goes up, so I couldn't see it. I had to bend the shoe down, mm. then I saw black legs and I bent it a bit more, and then the redback, and my stomach just dropped. Of course, the the redback is famous in Australia. It's one of the more deadly or renowned creatures you don't want to get bitten by. Immediately, I I shook it out of my shoe and started Googling um, (laughs) what symptoms... How long do I have to live? Basically, I was Googling symptoms. You know, what do I have to do? Do I have to get myself to a hospital? What's the go? Turns out, not so much. The last person to die of a redback bite in Australia was in the 60s. Wow. Yeah. They're not nearly as fearsome as their reputation would have you believe. At least in terms of lethality. Because let me tell you, Z, (laughs) that was a really, really shitty night. So I managed to get myself home and I didn't go to the hospital. A lot of people are giving me shit for it. But in my defense, I live five minutes from a hospital. I had no work the next day. I could monitor my symptoms. And if need be, I could get myself there. The and symptom- you did your due diligence of Googling. I did so... Google. I knew what symptoms to expect. <laughs> so yeah. severe symptoms are things like, you know, nausea, vomiting, which I didn't have. I just had a painful foot. And but- what kind of pain? Is it like a sharp sting? Is it like your foot is cramping? It felt sharp and like hot in a way. It, it was really, really painful. Honestly, it was... Not something I want to experience again. I couldn't sleep. Every few seconds, it would just flare up and throb, and I just couldn't stop it. That was the worst thing about it. Mm. And this thing probably bit me multiple times, to be honest, because I'm poking Mm. it in the face with my big toe. (laughs) So who knows how much venom I had. But So I was reading people's first-hand accounts of this sort of thing, and one article caught my attention, and he said he went to a doctor, and the doctor's like, it's a very slow-moving venom. Sometime in the next seven days, the venom's going to move through your heart. (laughs) 
So don't don't do anything that's gonna stress your heart out or any you know, <laughs> excessive activities. Look, after that toe incident, after the, a, a day or two, pain was basically gone, and I didn't experience any other symptoms. Okay, so how are you moving around? Did you have to drag your leg around? Could you walk? <laughs> For the most part, I was just stuck on the couch. I was just... Did it feel like? But did it feel like your foot was broken? Like you couldn't use your foot? Just my big toe. Oh, just the toe. So as long as I didn't put pressure on it. Well, that's the thing. Even putting pressure on it or not putting pressure on it, it didn't mean anything. Mm. It would hurt regardless of what I did, which was the worst part. Because if you've got a muscle ache or if you've got a broken toe, or if you can do things. You can move it a certain way. Or you can put pressure on it. You can relieve it. You can something to give you a moment of relief. This was just yeah. constant, and that was mm. the worst thing. No matter what I did, the pain would not stop or would not fade, would not go away. And it was awful. I was just tossing and turning on the couch, just trying to fall asleep or do anything to escape from the reality of the situation. So how do you feel now? You know, it, it's quite impressive going to people and saying, you know, I got bit by a red bat last weekend. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, how are you alive? You know, it's an experience. I could be wrong, but I think 60 people a year get bit. Oh, wow. So, anyway, it's not many. So I'm in a pretty prestigious group. <laughs> But um, it's definitely a membership. I, I'm not sure I want to renew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my spider bite. You've, yeah. you've also been bitten by something, I believe. I've been stung by a jellyfish. By a, oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Because you were saying that you'd been bit by or stung by something and I couldn't remember what, what it was. was. But now I, now you mentioned a jellyfish, I do remember. It was bad. But thankfully it didn't last. Mine lasted like one to three hours, not long. Okay, yeah. okay, tell the story. So it was in the Philippines and the water there is a really nice, like clear, blue, crystal, beautiful water. And you can see all the way through, right? So you think if you can see through, it's fine. And there were heaps of people on the beach. So I went in, so excited. Within 30 seconds, I feel something like wrap around my thigh. It felt like a bit of plastic, like if a plastic bag had caught onto your skin. I was like, oh, that's weird. So I kind of like shook it off. And then like a few seconds later, it started to feel like burning and it got progressively worse as each second passed. Mm. And I was like, oh, like something's happened to me. Like <laughs> freaking out. I run out of the beach. Like, I must have looked like such a weirder because everyone's like, relax and having the best holiday and I'm like <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> screaming out, failing like, your arms yeah despair and, and we, we were on a boat tour and the boat was like on the edge of the beach and we had walked to the middle so to get back to the boat where the staff were I had to like run half the beach and I ran up to them like oh my gosh I thought I was gonna die I thought something bad was gonna at, happen at the time did you know what happened I, I knew I had been stung by something I, I guessed it was a jellyfish I didn't see anything like you could see it on my leg like my skin was embossed mm. and red. Yeah, like it raised. It raised, yeah. Like I'd been burned or something. And it was like a lot. It was like lots of lines and it was singing bad. I felt like this is bad. This is, this is it. <laughs> they're going so, to they're gonna have to take my leg. Yeah. So I, I went up to them like, oh my gosh, I got stung, I got stung. And they're just like, oh yeah, 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 it's fine. Like it happens all the time. So they just went and got some vinegar from this restaurant. Apparently just put vinegar on it. And mm. then that's meant to calm it down. It still hurt, but they weren't worried. So that made me not worried. The fact that they had seen it so many times before. Well, you, you beat me to the punch because I was going to ask, did anyone pee on you? <laughs> Apparently, that doesn't do anything. Apparently, it's vinegar. I mean, I asked people to, but no one wanted to. <laughs> you're, you're running down the beach. Just, Somebody, please pee yeah. on my leg. I don't want to pee. <laughs> 
No, we d- it didn't come down to that. But honestly, if there was no vinegar and someone said that was a solution, I wouldn't have questioned it. I would have been like, come here, hobo man, please. Please, urinate. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if peeing on my foot helped with the red back bite, yeah. I, absolutely, I would have been peeing all over it. Yeah, yeah, same. So I got bitten twice. Yeah, so that was at one beach. It was a boat tour, right? So it took you to different beaches throughout the day. That was the first beach that we landed on. So annoying. And then the next beach got stung again. And the thing <laughs> is, there's a bunch of people on this tour, right? And no one else gets stung either time. I don't know. That jellyfish really had it in for you. They really did. The second time, we just like, my God, I can't believe it. I was it's more like I can't believe that no one else has gotten stung. The fact that there were so many other people in the water, like next to me, like two meters away from me, and I was the only one that got stung. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 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 We're both pretty prestigious members of Sting Clubs. Sting Clubs, yeah. I'm glad to be in the club with you. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I wanted to talk to you about the day one of my biggest dreams slash bucket list items came to fruition. Um, Was it when you met me at Subway? (laughs) Close. Very, very close. It was actually during that time period. Um, It was something that I had always been a bit nervous about doing. I'd always imagined how it would be when I finally did it. And it's something that, like, I really wanted to do, but other people around me didn't want to, and, and they wanted to put it off. But I, I was always ready. I, you were ready to answer the call. Yes. Of jury duty. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love it. I love true crime, as you know. Um, I always say that my favorite genre is sexually motivated crime, mm. closely followed by cults. So, like, to be called for jury duty so early on as well, I was like 18 or 19, it was the best. And I just wanted to share my experience with you. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've never been to jury duty still. And it's, it's something that I also would really like to experience. So I'm, I'm keen to hear. Awesome. I'll, I'll just retell my story and then you can ask questions along the way. Pause me at any time. Will do. Okay. So I got a letter in the mail basically telling me that there's like a date and a location and a time to be called for jury duty. But it's not like a guarantee you are doing jury duty. It's just be there to be potentially picked. Yeah, because they they select from a group of people to be on the jury. Yeah, but it's even less than that. It's like a lottery and then a selection from that lottery. So you get there and they put you into group A, group B or group C. I can't remember how they did it, it, but I got put in, say, group A. So you're split into three groups already and there's like a hundred people there or more. Hmm. Then once everyone's arrived, they say, oh, group A, come into the courtroom. So two thirds of the people who attended are free to go. They just have to be there to be potentially selected. Then the one group that does get selected goes into the actual courtroom. Yeah. So then the other other group just go home. Yeah, they just go home. So, so what was the point of having, having three groups? I don't know. It's some kind of lottery. Like, it's part of their random selection process. So, my group got selected to go in. Then, once you're in, let's say there's like 25 to 30 people in that group. You're given a number when you arrive. So, let's say I was group A number 6125, something like that. So, as you're in there, they read out numbers. And if your number gets called, you go up to the actual stand. You know, in movies where you see the jury sitting on the side of the yeah of the courtroom yeah so if your number gets called then you go there so then my number got called and i went and sat with everyone then each member that's been selected so the people who didn't get selected have to stay there because
because each person has to stand up and the two lawyers look at you and they say yes or no to you. I think they have a certain number of no's that they're allowed to say. I don't know what they base it on. Um, The the case, I guess, and the type of person that they're after. Anyway, I was so nervous because I wanted to do jury jury so bad and I'd gotten this far. And if they said no to me, I would have been upset. You'd object. You're in court. Yeah, I would have have objected hard. (laughs) So I stood up. I'm like, please, please pick me in my mind. So thankfully, they were both happy for me to stay. And then the jury was selected. And then so everyone left over was allowed to leave. Okay, so, so you're in. I'm in. I'm in. You then, won. You won the lotto. Oh, I was so excited. I can still remember it, being like, "This is everything that I wanted it to be, and more." And you know, you get paid for jury duty, right? Yeah. And I was working at Subway at the time with you, and I got paid more to do jury duty than I would have at Subway. That's so it was like a win-win. It was a double win. That's not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions so far? Well, because a lot of courtroom stuff is dealt with, I believe, by just like the lawyers and the judge, and the judge makes a ruling. Okay. I think they only bring in juries when it's it's something serious. Mm. But I'm excited. I'm intrigued. You should be, because not only <laughs> had I made it to jury duty. You should. <laughs> <laughs> The case that I got was not some lame, like, land rights or, like, oh, this person... Is parked two meters on my side of the... Yeah, yeah. Got her. (laughs) I got a rape. Whoa. I know. And I sound really excited and that sounds really bad, but... (laughs) (laughs) But... Um, spoiler alert, the guy was not guilty. So it was, it was really, really like a win-win-win. Are you sure? Based on the evidence, yes. Have like you? there was no conclusive proof. The guy was not guilty. It's fine. So talk us through the court proceeding. Okay. It went for a week and they fed Whoa. us. It went for was a amazing. week. It was like five days. Yeah, like how, Monday to Friday. How long were you in court per day? In the actual court, maybe like two or three hours. But in the whole building, the whole day. We had to give our phones at the beginning of the day and we couldn't collect them till after where they fed us lunch and we would have time to like deliberate in the room or discuss but it was over five days yeah but you, you, and you didn't have to make a decision until the last day correct so after day one yeah. you you sit through two or three hours of court then you go into a deliberating room yeah and you all just like talk about it or eat lunch and stuff yeah and then day two more evidence wow that sounds like a pretty big case it really wasn't though like like the evidence was like <laughs> Oh, now we're going to watch half an hour of CCTV footage of them at the train station. And it's literally like (laughs) they're sitting on a bench next to each other at a train station and talking. And we had to watch the entire video. Like, nothing groundbreaking. There was no action. It was like, oh, here's CCTV footage of them going into a 7-Eleven. And here's the receipt of the Powerade that they bought. Like, (laughs) nothing that was super compelling. Was it as awesome and dramatic as the courtroom scenes you see in TV shows and movies? No, it it wasn't. It was like suburban Sydney. Did anyone, did any lawyer object? No. No. <laughs> it was very dry in that sense. There, there was no drama. Like from the beginning, it was pretty obvious what the verdict was going to be, but you had to sit through all the evidence. So it was just a situation where someone had accused someone else of rape, but yeah. it was really just, it was yeah. obviously not the case. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you were watching two people, like, just have a normal time together. And I recall, like, one of the witnesses was, like, her boyfriend at the time or something. So I honestly feel like 
like, and I'm not here to victim blame or accuse anyone of anything, but the vibe was that she maybe got caught and then she said, oh, no, I didn't. Oh, uh, he was, he was cheating. Like, she was, sorry, vibe. she was cheating. And then she just blamed the guy. Yeah, so that the boyfriend wouldn't get mad at her or something. And That's... then when we said not guilty, the guy that was accused was like crying and he was so thankful he went up and like said thank you so much to like all of us. It was really, really sweet. And you could tell, like, you could just tell. That it was the right decision. Yeah. It was a unanimous decision. Oh, okay. I was, I was going to ask, was there much deliberation? From memory, like maybe one person said maybe. Like we, we did have to have some discussion, but it wasn't difficult to convince the one person. Because it had to be, what's it called? Um, beyond reasonable doubt. It had to be yeah. beyond reasonable doubt, and it just really wasn't. That's interesting. It's a shame that it wasn't as dramatic as you imagined it to be. But in a way it is, because it's like I got the rape case without the actual rape. Like, it was a win-win-win on all levels. So the prosecution, mm. were they like, this is it. This is the linchpin. This is the piece of evidence that's going to send this guy <laughs> to jail. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> Nothing was really speaking to the fact that it, that it actually happened. I wonder why it got that far. It sounds like it's a pretty open and shut case. It was. And that's what the lawyer said at the beginning. Like, it's pretty obvious what the answer is. This is not rocket science. And, it, and I was like, oh, he's just saying that because he has to, you know, that's his... But when they were presenting the evidence, it was like, yeah, you're right, dude. Yeah, he's, he's right. He's, he's, a yeah. Good, he's a good lawyer. He knows what he's yeah. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, That was like over 10 years ago, but very fresh in my memory from just how amazing it was. And I'm, I want to get called again. I'm so excited to get the letter. They don't remove you after being on it once? They remove you for a period of time. I think it's like... 60 years. No, I think it's like three <laughs> to five years, something like that. Okay, well, you're up for grabs again. Yeah, I'm ready anytime they want to call me, but not for land rights or parking fines. So, Z, on the podcast, a lot of our topics tend to be about relationships and love and dating. Dating, yeah. And this one is no different. Okay, <laughs> excellent. So... <laughs> It's, it's our bread and butter. It is. It's the juicy content that people tune in for, but the they juicy content, are too ashamed exactly. to say so. You know, our highest viewed episode is the one that says, happy ending massages. <laughs> <laughs> you pervs. Look, that's, yeah, that's why, they, that's why they tune in to us for. We go to the places the other podcast just won't go. So you and I have both been through the dating life. My topic today is what happens afterwards. Where does the relationship go from there? Are you someone that remains friends with your exes? Should you even be friends with your exes? Is it even possible to be friends with your exes? Depending Mm -hmm. on who I've talked to and my own experiences, the answer differs. So my view on the subject is, fortunately, most of my breakups have been pretty amicable and generally mutual. So there wasn't any real horrible um, things happening to make us hate each other. Even so, with both my major exes, we haven't remained friends afterwards. We're friendly, um, and in the circumstances where we run into each other, we'll say hello and and do a brief catch-up. That's about Mm. as far as the conversation goes. To me, I think in a relationship, especially one that's relatively long-term, I think you share so much of yourself and you share so much together that going back to a a friendship, it's just, to me, it doesn't really work. It's always, there's always something. Hmm. And I think, um, I would think my partners or their new partners would perhaps even be a little uncomfortable if they were friends 
with me still.、Mm. So I'm happy to kind of keep those relationships at arm's length or even further away, as long as we're civil. To me, that's that, that's acceptable. That's that's all I need, as long as we can acknowledge that there were good and there were bads, and just move on and learn from it. That's pretty good, and I think that's that's a mature. Adult way of looking at it. Yeah, I think that's the case for most people. I think most people would sit in that boat. I think so too. There are、uh, people that I know that have become very close friends with their exes, almost best friends, and I feel like it's possibly the case that they dated. They decided they didn't work out as dating partners and decided that they're better off just as friends, maybe. But I still think it would be a difficult situation to to maintain. I've still got pictures of my exes, like as my old profile pictures or albums. On Facebook, I haven't gone through and cleansed my life of all knowledge of these people, right?、Mm. And to me, that's fine. But I have had people saying, "Look, I'd be uncomfortable if I was your girlfriend and you had these pictures of your exes on your Instagram, even though they're, you know, five years old." These pictures, this person I was talking to expected me to go through, and she would have wanted me to delete them if we end up dating. This wasn't my current girlfriend, by the way. This was someone I was seeing on Tinder. Right. But, but it, it, I've always remembered it because it was it was that point that even pictures of my exes, she wouldn't have. Accepted. She wanted them completely gone. Luckily, my current girlfriend is is quite mature about it, and she often says they were part of my life, and I wouldn't be the person I am now if I didn't have those experiences. She says she's thankful to them. That's really nice. That's a really nice outlook. It is really nice. I'm very lucky. But where do you stand on this particular debate? Yeah, more often than not, I would say you cannot be friends with an ex. I think that when relationships end, usually there is unresolved. Tension or unspoken reasons that it didn't work out. I think you can be friends with exes, and I am friends with a couple of my exes.、Um, but a few factors have to come into play for that to happen.、Mm-hmm. That is time since the relationship.、Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Be, yeah, it needs to be like fully you're over it. You don't spend any time thinking about oh, what if、yeah. we just did this? Maybe we could have worked out. There has to be no what ifs. And I think in order for there to be no what ifs, there needs to be full closure, like a conversation about you know retrospectively, this is how I feel, and this is how you made me feel, and vice versa. So it's all out in the air, and there's no like. Unspoken tension, weirdness,、mm-hmm. and the other thing is you really have to want the best for that person. There can't be any like competitiveness or like comparison of your life against their life, or like oh they've moved on and I haven't, or any of that stuff. It needs to be truly, truly, one hundred percent pure. I care about you. I just want the best for you. That sort of feeling. And if you have all of those factors, and you can feel all of those things about that. Ex, and you know you still get along with them. There's still banter and laughter. Then I think you can be friends with them. That's a pretty good analysis of it, I think. And I I think that's what makes it so difficult because achieving those things at the same time is very hard when you've、mm-hmm. had you know a long term, really deep and meaningful relationship. Yeah. When love breaks down, it generally either leads to hate or just I guess you you just accept that the love has faded. Anything that held you together is. Gone. Yeah, it's really rare, especially for me. Closure. I always say closure is a luxury because people rarely get to find out. You know, was it real for you as well? I feel all this anger towards you. Like, why did you do that to me? And have that reasoned back to them, and to be able to hear it and understand it.、Um, 
I don't think many people get to have that. I think that to have that level of closure, you both have to have a very mature and open conversation. And I would argue that if you were capable of doing that, perhaps we wouldn't have broken up in the first place. I mean, like, circumstances are different. Like, I'm friends with two of my exes, and and both of them, I had that conversation, the closure conversation, and Mm -hmm. it's all, like, aired out, and it's fine, and all I want is the best for them. And how how close are you to these exes? Like, when you say you're friends? Yeah, we're friends. Would you invite them to a birthday party? Yeah. Would you go out to dinner with them? Yeah, I would. Would you go overseas on a friendship trip? No. (laughs) That's a weird one, actually, traveling together. (laughs) No. I don't know why, that seems romantic. You can't even travel with some of your friends anyway. Yeah, that's true. Do you think you and I could travel together? Maybe on like a short... (laughs) Like, three-day cruise to New Zealand or something. Yeah, with plenty of room to, like, distance ourselves and and mingle with other people. I think we'd be fine three days, like, in close proximity. I think three days. I would give us a week. I think we could do a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just think... And just to clarify, I don't think it's because we'd get on each other's nerves. I think we just have different ideas of of activities. we want out of a holiday. And experiences, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, The holiday... Yeah, so the holiday thing, no. I don't know why, but this is just a line there. I just think some some relationships aren't meant to be romantic. It can get easily confused, especially when you're young, that witty banter and, and a good connection should lead to something romantic, but it doesn't always. And you can force it for a long time until you kind of both just realize that it's not going to work. And I think that that situation can lead to a friendship, but should it? <laughs> Look, I would have said, no, you can't be friends with your exes once upon a time until I had those cleansing closure conversations and truly felt within myself, yes, I can be friends with them and I want to be friends with them and nothing more. But it takes a lot and a lot of things need to line up for that to happen. And I, it rarely does. I just think sometimes after everything you've been through and everything you've you've lost and wanted and hoped for and everything, it's just not worth that effort sometimes. Yeah, and also I think it's hard if you do if you did have all these hopes and wants, it's hard to let that go and not have those thoughts anymore of like what if? Mm, if you saw a future um, of this person. And it's it's very hard to talk to people and not reflect and go back and and remember how things were and and like you said, regret and always kind of be like, you know, what if we'd done things differently and I think um along with those other factors that I mentioned earlier, this is reminding me that there needs to be no feeling of maybe we could have worked out like it really Mm. needs to be a a deep confidence in yourself that it never would have worked out we are better off not together than together and i think that's hard that's part of the the difficulty of it because to have that mindset of we are definitely better off not together and not have any like animosity or anger or hatred that's that's hard because for someone that you you love to turn from love to yeah now we're not good together the easiest way and the most common way is that love turns to some sort of negative feelings so to have some sort of residual friendship after you know meeting somewhere in the middle that's it's rare it is i'm really thankful for those moments of closure because i don't think that it happens very often i have had those conversations with my exes but it's not Mm -hmm. we kind of accepted why things didn't work out and we've just for the most part just moved on and pursued a partner better suited to us i suppose and that's fine as well like you don't have to be friends with your exes it's just sometimes life works out that way and sometimes it doesn't yeah people are in your life for like certain chapters and it might be a long chapter it might be a chapter here and there sporadic it's hard to predict these things. There's only one of you I can predict, Z. Mm-hmm. 
You've been in my life for a long time yet. Did I? Our first acceptable or not comes from Sonia in Sydney. Thank you very much, Sonia, for writing in. Thank you so much. Nice to hear from you. Um, she has written about people setting up GoFundMe pages for their own personal costs. So things like weddings or medical fees or rent, things that are meant to be personal costs, but asking the community to contribute. Things that most people would pay for themselves. Correct. Acceptable or not. So GoFundMe pages or crowdfunding, generally, I think it's really cool. I think that it has a place and I think that for supporting people's passion projects, I think it's great. I think it's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. But there are people that take advantage of the situation. My girlfriend actually told me a story about a, let's just call them an influencer. Mm -hmm. And she was traveling during COVID times for her work. And I, I say that in quotation marks. Yeah. Um, and overseas, she got sick. And to fly her back home was very expensive because it's COVID. And she started a GoFundMe page, have her fly back home. And of course, this influencer probably has a whole bunch of followers or sims, you may call them. Yeah, thirsty dudes. Thirsty dudes that would buy her bath water. And they probably paid without a second thought. There could be somebody, what makes them more worthy? In my opinion, they're taking advantage of the fan base to live with a luxury that most other people probably deserve more. Like someone that genuinely needs the help, someone that's fallen on hard times or they're sick and they didn't choose to go out during COVID overseas. These people (laughs) deserve support more. Yes, agree. So you're saying not acceptable if you're being silly about it and traveling during COVID times, you get, you're getting what's coming to you. But if you are actually in need, then it's okay to set up a GoFundMe? I think it's, it is tough because some personal reasons are, I would say, yeah, are acceptable. Let's say you're out of work because of COVID and your, your hu- husband leaves you mm-hmm. for the maid and mm-hmm. you've got to pay the rent. But this poor hypothetical woman, she's not going to find as many donations as this silly influencer who tried to travel during COVID times. Well, in terms of acceptable or not, it's kind of a tough one. Mm. I think the situation needs to be really dire. Like you need to have been mugged and (laughs) beaten and put into a coma. Like things that are out of your control. If it's just the fact that you didn't save money well or you made bad decisions, no. (laughs) So you heard it. If you've just been mugged, not acceptable enough. If you've just been beaten up and put into a coma, again, it's going to be both mugged and put into a coma. It's going to be pretty, like, exceptional bad times. I'm going to say, in terms of acceptable or not, I'm going to say generally not acceptable. But yeah. there is a but. There is a asterisk with fine print down the bottom. That's, yes, like you said, for people in exceptional circumstances of dire need, yes, I, that's acceptable. Yeah. And they've got to be trying to help themselves as well. It can't be like, oh, I've lost my job. Help me pay for my rent. And they just, like, sit there and watch TV all day. You know? <laughs> it's got to be a everyone is trying to pull you out of this, including yourself. Yeah. 
Exactly. You fall on hard times. You're just you're appealing to the community to assist you. So, Generally speaking, not acceptable though. I yeah, agree. unless very very rare exceptional circumstances arise. Like if you want your dream wedding, save up for your dream wedding. Don't just yeah. expect people to get get a second job. Crowdfunding isn't for your selfish personal needs. Yeah, on our Instagram poll at acceptable company, ninety five percent of people said not acceptable, Oof. and five percent said acceptable. I think so. Part- we're in the majority. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. But. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very small fine print. Yeah. Okay. Our next acceptable or not comes from Christine in Penrith. Thank you very much, Christine. Um, she said that her friend asked her to be a bridesmaid for her wedding next year. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah. But she knows that it's going to fall in her exam time. So she respectfully declined. And that friend has since gone really cold towards her. Mm. So she's essentially lost a friend over saying no to being her bridesmaid. It's, she's she's coming to the wedding, but she's sitting down, like right down the back. Or maybe not even invited to the wedding now. Who knows? Didn't find out. So saying no to being part of a bridal party acceptable or not there is a level of responsibility being in a bridal party right you do have to get involved in the wedding you're you're planning bucks nights you're doing speeches it can be a long day it can be a lot of Mm. effort yeah it's a big time and money commitment it is and i know that's why you choose your best friends or people that you can you can trust you want to experience this special day with the people that you love the most but if they can't provide for you the best that they can give then i think it should be acceptable to say no Respectfully. I am in the same boat. I think everyone has the right to say no. Like you can't be forced into doing something you don't want to do or cannot do. Mm. But on the flip side, if I asked someone to be part of my bridal party and they said no, I'd grit my teeth through a smile, but I would be upset inside what if they gave you a decent reason yeah yeah no like i i would be understanding and i would accept it but i would be upset that the person that i had pictured that it wasn't eventuating the way that i wanted it to you know it'd almost be like a rejection of friendship i get it i imagine you'd probably had people in mind for a while yeah like particular people we all kind of have that thought if i oh if i did get married who would be in my bridal party yeah you're allowed to be sad (laughs) Yeah, you're allowed to be sad. But also, I think there's a bit of responsibility on the person asking. They should know that they are in an okay financial and time position to provide that. Like, if they think that it's going to burden someone, maybe don't ask them. But how about you ask them, but you don't expect them to contribute as much as some of the others then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Give them some more leeway. Like, maybe if Christine's issue was that it was an exam time and she had to study, be like, oh, you don't have to do anything just stand next to me on the day or something like that yeah i mean i assume she was still going to come to the wedding but it's it's still christine's right and if a friend is, is going to ruin their friendship just because christine politely declines pretty that's pretty catty mm. but it is an awkward thing to decline though it's definitely not something you'd ever even imagine someone declining yeah right, if you went to that friend and you've been thinking about this conversation for for years and they just like look sorry and nah, I'm, I'm busy i'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's disheartening, sure, but it's if your friendship's that strong, it should it should be able to survive that. Yeah. It's you know, it's acceptable, but it sucks and it's awkward. Yeah, I, I think it's acceptable and it should be it should be acceptable. On our on our Instagram poll, seventy six percent said acceptable, twenty four percent not. I would say it happens very rarely though. If someone says no, they must have a good reason. 
you either have to accept that reason or you probably don't want them in your bridal party to begin with. Exactly. So yeah, thank you for deliberating that with me. I will always deliberate with you, Z. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to write in their own acceptable or not scenario, please feel free to on Instagram at Acceptable Company. The link is in the bio. Yeah, feel free. We are open to awesome suggestions. Well, that's it for today. Another excellent conversation, Z. <laughs> Riveting. Riveting. Thank you. I was literally stuck in my seat. I could not, <laughs> could, not, could not leave. Captivating. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And I'll catch you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.